Who better to preview tonight's game between Gonzaga and San Francisco than Chris Gerlofson, the head coach of the Dons. Hear what he has to say about this team and preparing for the Zags on today's Locked On Zags podcast. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel. Folks, make every moment more right now. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Very excited to be joined today by Chris Gerlofson, the head coach of the San Francisco Dons, talking about this game against Gonzaga. Also talking about Mark Few's 700th victory, talking about his team, the WCC, adding Oregon State and Washington State, all sorts of fantastic stuff. Check it out right here. Well, I'm thrilled to be joined today by Chris Gerlifson, now in his second year as the head coach of the San Francisco Dons, currently in Spokane, getting ready for a Thursday night battle with the Zags at the Kennel. And coach, first place that I want to start here is talking about the differences with this Gonzaga team, because you're preparing for a team that they don't have Drew Timmy, they don't have Julian Strother, they don't have Rasir Bolton, who played very well last year against San Francisco. Uh, How do you prepare for a team that really only has three players coming back from last year's roster and just a whole bunch of players that, that are new into that system? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I mean, the first thing I would say is credit to uh, Coach Few and, and his players for kind of adapting to to the new look roster. Um, I think they've gotten a lot better as the yeah. season's progressed. I think they're learning how to play together. Um, obviously, a little bit different look now, playing three bigs together a lot of the mm-hmm. time. Um, but they've figured out how to make that beneficial for them, um, being plus 10 on the glass. And, and um, you can see a noticeable improvement in the guys who are, who are holdovers in the, in the program. I think Anton Watson has taken his game um, to another level. Um, I, I like all the new, new pieces they have, and I think they're just figuring it out. And that, yeah. that's a credit to um, – Coach Few and his staff uh, for for kind of joysticking his players around in the right way. Yeah, I think you know, no, uh, Ryan Nembhard in particular kind of struggled a little bit early in the year. I think just kind of finding his his role and, and adjusting to new teammates. But as of late, I think in the year 2024, he has 25 assists and zero turnovers, something along those lines. Just some ridiculous production that we have seen from him as he's kind of started to get more comfortable in his role. And I think, you know, the narrative around this team ha- has been more negative than we've seen in the past. Obviously the top 25 uh, ranked streak ending after eight years. And I know that that has kind of caused a little bit of concern and some, some mm-hmm. panic among some Gonzaga fans who are not used to, to being in a spot where, you know, every WCC game isn't as guaranteed as it's been in the past. And you don't have a, a go-to guy like Drew Timmy, the way they, they had over the last four years, but uh, it sure feels like, like you said, this team has really started to kind of find that groove. And and as you know, with a team that has had a lot of new pieces that have to find the spot, it feels to me at least like it's more just a matter of, hey, it just takes some time to to put all the pieces together. And when you start with a tough non-conference schedule and some tough road games like Washington and Santa Clara in conference play, like 
you just gotta you gotta spend a little bit more time getting those pieces together. But uh, this this team, it feels like to me at least, they're starting to kind of find those pieces at the right time uh, going forward. No, ab- absolutely. I mean, that's kind of the way of of college basketball in general right now. You know, with the turnover and mm-hmm. the transfer portal and and teams having almost new look rosters year in, year out. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to figure out what's best for your team. Um, but I've been really impressed. I mean, for somebody who is prepared to play the Zags, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times and, and mm-hmm. over a lot of different years, uh, this is a really good team, uh, a really good team. And I think, as you said, they're kind of learning how to play with each other, uh, learning strengths, weaknesses, and what's best for the team. And, and that's what coaching is. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to continue to get better as the year goes on. You kind of mentioned the, the three big lineup too, and that's something that I had a lot of reservations about. And I've had listeners who've already said, "Well, you, you didn't you didn't think this was going to work, and it looks like it's working." And and I think a lot of that is is a testament to Ben Gregg's ability to kind of step into that role for this team. And and uh, I think a part of it too is just as simple as him being one of those players who's been in the system. He's experienced understanding like what is asked of him and, and, you know, no, uh, no shade to Dusty Stromer, but he's a freshman who I think was just kind of struggling to find that role and hopefully we'll find a better uh, fit coming off the bench. But for, for your team in terms of preparing for a now a, a new starting lineup, which, you know, in the 10 plus years I've covered the Zags, Mark, he doesn't change the starting lineup in the middle of the season very often. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly a new thing, but how do you prepare for a lineup that's going to have that much size uh, in the front court? Yeah, um, it's a challenge. Um, you know, the physicality and the way they're rebounding the ball and, and creating second and third scoring opportunities for their team um, is impressive. You know, with them being plus 10 on the glass, they have a high offensive rebound percentage rate. Um, and, and kind of the sneaky thing is, even with playing three bigs, their pace of play hasn't dipped. You know, and, and normally you would say, well, teams playing three bigs and they must be playing a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Um, that hasn't changed at all uh, for Gonzaga. They're still playing at a really high rate um, offensively, um, being a top. I think they're a top 30 defensive team and a top 25 mm-hmm. offensive team in the country to this point. Um, so re- really impressive stats. I want to talk a bit about Mark Few before we transition into talking more about uh, this San Francisco club and what Gonzaga fans can expect. But uh, Coach Few obviously just picked up that 700th career win. I know you've uh, been on the sidelines against him quite a few times from your time as an assistant coach at San Diego and last couple of years here at San Francisco as well. And and what what do you think it is? I mean, obviously this program wasn't, you know, he didn't inherit a program that was already heads and shoulders above the WCC. He kind of helped build them into this spot and, and teams have started to kind of catch up to them. But what, what, what do you think he's been able to do over a incredibly lengthy career to maintain this level of, of success and be in a position where, I mean, he's picking up, he's the only active coach right now uh, for another week or so until Tom Izzo gets there. He's the only active coach who's got all 700 career wins with one team. It's just a, an extraordinary run. And I have somebody who's seen him a lot. I'm curious what you think about his ability to get into this spot. I mean, it speaks to, to the program in general and, and how he's built it. Um, you know, I shot him a text after he got that win. And mm-hmm. of course, because he's he's a humble guy and about mm-hmm. the right stuff, he gave all credit to the to the players mm-hmm. and the coaches that have worked for him. Um, but, you know, you can't lose sight of how good of a coach mm-hmm. uh, he is to win that many games over this many years and, and to have continued success. 
um, just speaks to the way he goes about his business and has built the program here. Um, it is a program, and it's a, a program that wins year in, year out. And uh, to win 700 games, shoot, I, I hope I'm around long enough to even yeah. coach 700 games. It is just an amazing, amazing stat and achievement. And I think I know Gonzaga fans, um, you know, they're they're appreciative and, and value what they have. But, um, you know, this is an amazing feat. Well, Coach Grillison and I are going to talk more about this 15-5 and San Francisco roster, what we might expect from the Dons tonight, all that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience, that's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's what helps keeps your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts to choose from for your ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. Plus, with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your car every single time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at all the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that W. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, and eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Well, let's talk about these Dons. 15-5 and five on the year right now, 4-1 and one here in the WCC play. Picked up some great non-conference wins, uh, free wins over Power 6 programs. Uh, had Minnesota in town at the Chase Center, uh, beat Vanderbilt and DePaul as well. Also some really, really close, close games against Utah State, against Grand Canyon, uh, against Boise State. A, a really tough non-conference schedule with a lot of really good opponents. And how do you feel that that, that non-conference schedule has helped prepare your team because again some of the same situations a lot of new players a lot of new starters kind of coming into the system at the same time and and how do you think that conference non-conference schedule prepared you and, and how do you kind of feel like this team has performed up to this point yeah I think we we kind of went through some of those same kind of growing pains mm-hmm. that, that Gonzaga went through um, we tried to schedule in a way that was going to put us in at least in in a conversation for you know being a postseason team mm-hmm. Um, with the way that we scheduled. Um, and I thought that that definitely benefited us. Even the games that we lost weren't games that hurt us um, and performed pretty well in those games. Obviously, we wanted to win those, um, but those games didn't hurt us. And we'll continue to schedule the same way going forward. Um, I think it's prepared us for, for league play. Um, you know, the other night against St. Mary's, I would say that's the only game out of all the games we played this year where really we did not perform mm-hmm. um, to the level that my expectations are. Um, and we learned a lot through that game. Um, but I'm, I'm happy in terms of where we're at. I think we can get a lot better um, still. There's still some areas we're trying to address, but I like our group. I like the potential of our group. You and I had an opportunity to speak uh, early in the season and even before the season 
uh, about this team. And, and we talked a handful of times about Jonathan Mobo. And, and honestly, I don't know that I could have expected or that many, many people could have expected the performance that we have seen from this young man up to this point in the season. A transfer from Missouri State was, was productive at Missouri State, but is averaging a double-double this season. He's incredibly efficient as a scorer. But to me, what has stand, stood out the most, not just from from looking at the box scores, but from watching the games is his ability to, to pass the ball and how much more difficult he can make it for opposing teams because he, he can not only score around the rim, he's not only tenacious on the glass, but he can distribute the basketball and force teams to, to have to defend him a little differently. What what kind of weapon has he been for this team and how has he kind of gotten to this point where he's having this, this tremendous breakout season? Yeah. Um, for the way that we like to play, you know, having bigs that can be decision makers are, are huge for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we like to space teams out and employ a lot of five out and to have a big guy who you can put the ball in his hands and he makes decisions um, like a guard. Mm -hmm. um, and that's invaluable. Um and really, some of that stuff was learned after he was on campus here. Um, you know, we had high expectations for him, um, but he has exceeded all those expectations and then some. Um, and I still think he, he's learning and getting comfortable in terms of having the ball in his hands so much. You know, he, he did not have that opportunity at his last school. Um, every place has different style of play and, and the way that they're going to use their bigs. Um, we just choose to use our bigs in a way where, you know, they're decision makers for us. Well, one thing that, that I think a lot of fans who, who have followed the WCC, who followed San Francisco, certainly will, will, will think about with the, the program as of late is the guard development. Jamari Bouye going from, uh, you know, somebody who wasn't playing much early on to being a, now an NBA two-way guy. Khalil Shabazz from a community college to being the school's all-time leader in three points. Like, this is a, a tremendous uh, pipeline of guards that have come through the system. And we're kind of seeing something similar with Marcus Williams, obviously a guy who, who did not start in the program. He's been at a couple other schools, uh, but bought into the system enough to stay for a second year, something he hadn't done previously and is now really having this, this big breakout season. We're seeing him be more efficient uh, as a driver, more efficient as a finisher, uh, career high in points. Like again, kind of similar question. What, what do you think has, has helped him elevate his game uh, is it really just kind of they're not being a Shabazz or Bouye and he gets more opportunities with the ball or, or what has kind of helped him grow as a player uh, to be what the kind of production that he's had this season? No, I, I think, you know, some of that has to do with how we play. Some of that has to do with opportunity. Some of that has to do with, um, you know, I hope players when they play here and play mm -hmm. for myself and our staff feel a level of freedom. Um, offensively to kind of be the best versions of themselves. Um, we try not to put players' games in boxes um, and allow them to kind of flourish, um, you know, and, and we encourage guys to maybe address some things that they didn't do well before they got here. And, and I think that's how you get better as a player and feel confident, um, you know. But Marcus has done a great job in terms of building trust with myself and our staff, He's worked extremely hard um, and he's improved in, in a lot of areas that maybe don't translate in a stat sheet in terms of becoming a better leader, having a better voice in our locker room um, and addressing, you know, just his habits on a daily basis of what it takes um, to be a really, really good college basketball player. And he's not even close to where he can get to, um, which is exciting as his coach. 
Well, you, we talked a little bit about Gonzaga having some some new transfers in the starting lineup, especially at the guard position in Ryan Nembhard, and, and certainly that has been a, a, a newness for San Francisco as well. Um, Williams in his second year, but for Malik Thomas, this is his first year in the program, and of course Mike Sheriff Jumps uh, coming over from Dayton as well, both new new starters in this program. And uh, Thomas, you know, didn't start the season in the starting lineup, but has been I was looking at his game logs, really really good as of late. I think he's been in double figures in like 11, 10 or eleven straight games uh 20 points in three of his last seven games like he's really kind of exploded onto the scene as a scorer and and is that another one of those like hey just starting to get more comfortable with a different system a system that's not the same as what he was at at usc or just uh differences in how you're, you're coaching him or working with him or, or what has kind of led to to this big breakout from him because he's he's looked really good as of late yeah no malik's doing a really good job for us um he provides um, a spark that we need on both sides of the ball. Um, he just has a really infectious way about himself, the way he go, goes about his day, the way, the way he carries himself. Um, and he learned what kind of what my expectations were and our staff's expectations were for him. Um, and he put that into play. And that, that's a credit to him. Um, he was buried a little bit um, at the beginning of the year, just – struggled a little bit in terms of trying to meet those expectations. And, and once he did and, and got an opportunity, he took full advantage of the opportunity and kind of has never looked back to this point. Want to talk a little bit about Mike as well? A six foot eight point guard always going to be a matchup problem for for everybody in the conference. Certainly, you know Gonzaga's got two starting guards who who give up five inches at least to him. So that's going to be something I'm very curious to see how how that matchup shakes out. But uh, he's certainly a player who who you know maybe hasn't scored as much as as some people may have expected him to do. But he's efficient shooter. He's a good distributor. What what have you kind of seen from him? Uh, and his development in his first season in San Francisco coming off of that uh, that freshman year at Dayton? Yeah, he's extremely um, almost unselfish um, to a fault at yeah. times, you know, and, and um, you know, I try to breathe confidence and life into our perimeter guys to um, have the freedom to go make plays and, and score, score and shoot the ball. He's gotten a lot better shooting it from deep. That was kind of his his last last ditch thing he would do in his game. And, and I think he's become more confident shooting the ball. Um, he has a natural feel for passing and distributing, um, which I love. I think he's easy to play with, but I'm going to continue to urge him to um, be even more aggressive from an offensive standpoint because he can do it uh, and he's fully capable. And he's shown that in flashes um, and have been happy with, with the way he's kind of developed on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he's making some strides in, in that regard. We spoke earlier about this kind of the narrative around Gonzaga being a little bit more more negative uh, just because they, they started out the year a little weaker than they have in the past. And, and that's kind of been a bit of the narrative for the entire WCC as a whole. Part of that was some early season struggles for St. Mary's as well, which they've seemed to have righted the ship similarly to Gonzaga. But I wonder for you, like having now coached a handful of games in the conference this year and, and paying attention to these teams, it, it doesn't feel to me like the conference is uh, it feels like there's still a, a lot of really talented programs, a lot of talented teams. Santa Clara has looked fantastic. And and like, how, how do you feel like the the kind of the, the health of the conference right now, especially when you look at it, you know, a couple of years into this 
transfer portal era, this NIL era, which I know a lot of people are concerned about how that's going to impact, you know, programs at, at smaller schools and, and without as big of budgets. And how do you feel like the WCC has kind of adapted to this new era and and the kind of production and quality of the teams in the, in the league this year? Yeah, I think, you know, having only seen the teams, you know, with my eyes firsthand, the teams that we've played to this point, um, you know, it doesn't feel generally any different than any years past. You know, there are no off nights um, in the WCC. Um, I think every league is probably adjusting to and and operating in this new realm of what the NIL and Mm -hmm. transfer portal looks like. I think every league is probably trying to figure out how you raise a profile of your league. Um, and I think that that is a key thing with our league, you know, and, and whether that be through scheduling, whether that be through um, more NIL opportunities, um, there's a lot of different ways to, to raise a profile of your league. And, and I think Stu Jackson and, and um, his staff is, is working through that and doing a really good job um, trying to be proactive and, and, um, you know, I still think this is one of the best leagues, you know, in the country and, and mm-hmm. we need to continue to, to raise the profile of the league. Well, I think one of the biggest things that has that has happened in that regard is the the additions of of Oregon State and Washington State, these two schools that were kind of, frankly, hung out to dry a little bit by the Pac-12 dissolving the way that it did and uh, programs that obviously are football programs, but weren't able to come to an immediate agreement with the Mountain West for what sounds like a variety of reasons. And and Stu Jackson and their staff kind of swooped in and, and pulled them in for a couple of years. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily sound like it'll be a permanent thing. Who knows exactly what it'll look like, but uh, it, it certainly raises the, the at least the, the, brand awareness for the for the uh, WCC. Uh, Oregon State in particular has has struggled uh, on the men's basketball side for the last couple of years. Washington State, uh, of course, Coach Kyle Smith, former San Francisco head coach as well. It, it's uh, fun to have these two schools joining the conference here and, and uh, kind of raising that that profile a little bit. What was your kind of reaction to finding out that these two schools were, were going to become conference members uh, next year? Yeah, I was just happy to see that the league did something, as I said, to be mm-hmm. proactive yeah. in terms of where we were at. And, um, you know, I think it's a really good short term remedy. Mm-hmm. And now the challenge is what do you do moving forward? Yeah. Um, you know, whether that has a chance to be a long term deal or not, I, I don't know. And I'll leave that to um, the powers that be to mm-hmm. figure that out. But I do like that we're trying to be proactive and and be forward thinking. I think that's how you have to operate, especially in the landscape, uh, the way things sit today across college basketball. I think there's going to continue to be changes, not just in our league, but, you know, leagues across the country. Yeah, it certainly feels like this is uh, uh, the beginning of of what could potentially be more moves, whether that's Gonzaga deciding to go somewhere else, whether that's the WCC trying to make other additions, whether it's somebody like Grand Canyon, who's obviously having a fantastic season or Seattle U, who, you know, kind of fits the 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 identity of the league in a lot of ways. I know uh, your, your squad was able to face them earlier this year as well. They're a pretty good basketball club also uh, managed to beat that Grand Canyon team. So certainly feels like there are some options for the WCC to continue to look forward and continue to grow in ways that, you know, I think it, it's, feels like it's a little scary for some of these conferences uh, when you're seeing, I mean, the Big 12 just gobble up as many teams as they possibly can, and the Big 10's doing the same, and suddenly geography is not 
something that's really tying schools to any particular area. And it's that's a lot of changes kind of happening all at once. But uh, I agree. I've been personally very happy to see the WCC not just kind of waiting to see, OK, who's going to leave next? What's going to happen next? Like they're stepping out and making moves to, to make this league a little bit more viable. And I think that's a, a very good sign for the, the safety and the security of the league going forward. No, absolutely. And, and hopefully as time goes on, we can continue to, you know, see changes and things that we can do to, again, um, make our brand and, and make our league as strong as it can be. Last thing I want to talk to you about, Coach, is, is not only this upcoming game against Gonzaga on Thursday, but uh, the return game, which is going to be late February, February 29th. And that game is not going to be at War Memorial on USF's campus. It's going to be played at the Chase Center, the home of the Golden State Warriors. I know uh, your team has already gotten an opportunity to play there this year. And it's something that I know a lot of Gonzaga fans are excited about. And certainly some Bay Area Gonzaga fans are excited about as well as the opportunity to to go to that arena. What, what does it mean for your team and your your program, your school to get the opportunity to to play at this at the Chase Center and play a team like Gonzaga? And I know Minnesota earlier in the year to play these uh, high profile programs in this NBA arena. Yeah, it's just that I think um, the more opportunity we give our guys to play, you know, in NBA arenas, especially in our home city, Mm -hmm. um, I think the better. Um, Obviously, we we love playing at War Memorial. I think we have a a really strong home court advantage there. Um, And I was kind of 50 50 on on moving the game, to be Mm -hmm. quite honest, um, when it was first presented to me. But the more I thought about it, the more I talked um, with my athletic director and people around the program, um, the more I thought it had a chance to really raise a profile again um, for our conference, the, for the way we're viewed um, and for the way the conference is portrayed, you know, on national television. So um, I'm excited for it. I think it'll be a great event, not only for us and for Gonzaga, for our city. Um, it's a chance to really elevate and, and draw some national attention uh, to the game. So a lot of games will be played, obviously, before we get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll be excited when that game does arrive. Coach Chris, Cur- Coach Chris Gerlison, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk to us, to, to kind of get a, a better insight into this program. Really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be uh, an extremely fun one uh, between two two of the really good teams in this conference. I'm looking forward to, to both these matchups and, and want to thank you again for coming on. No, I appreciate you having me. Thanks, Andy. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thanks again to Coach Chris Gerlofson for coming on to the podcast. Always appreciate getting a chance to talk to him. Thanks to you as well for making this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Appreciate every single one of you. Shout out especially to those everyday listeners as well and to those of you who are on the Discord channel. Again, if you want to join, we are chatting all day long about the Zags. We'll have a big game thread talking about this game tonight against San Francisco. It is free to join. There is a link in your show notes on both audio and video platforms. We'll be back on Friday reviewing this game against San Francisco, getting you all ready for Saturday's game against the Tigers of Pacific. Until then, though, as always, go Zags.